What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, and we are back with our preseason breakdown of the Big Ten. Uh, and today is Michigan. Um, so coming in off of uh, Juwan Howard's first year, um, started off uh, fairly well. Four kind of easy tomato games. Um, and then into that tournament where they won uh against Iowa State, North Carolina, uh, and Gonzaga, um, but didn't quite keep up that, that pace all the way through. They wind up um, with a 19-12 and 12 mark uh, overall, 24th in net, 16 in Ken Palm. Um, what was your kind of impression of Howard's first season? Well, you know, it was interesting, right? With with both Michigan and Ohio State, I think you can say where they ended up was relatively close to where they were expected to be. Mm-hmm. But how they got there, the route they got there was anything but. You know, expectations for Michigan were a little bit muted. I think the thought was NCA they should be an NCA tournament team. Making the tournament would represent an acceptable first year result for Howard, and that's what they would have been. Yeah, You know, they ended up uh, Ken Palm 16, net 24. So they were on track to be, you know, a five seed, a six seed, a seven seed, somewhere in there. Um, 10 and 10 in the league, 19 and 12 overall. Okay. You know, 500 in the conference and a deep year for the conference. That's okay. That's what you would have expected, right? That's what I expected. I can't mm-hmm. remember where we had them. But it was right around where they finished ninth. It was right in that ballpark. We might have had them seventh or eighth, something like that. Um, but they had those tomato can wins early, and then they went to the Battle of Atlantis. And you mentioned they beat Iowa State at the time. People thought Iowa State might be a tournament team. They had a potential lottery pick who looks like he's going to actually be one, um, and you know a tradition of some level of success in that program. Well. They beat Iowa State easily, but Iowa State ended up 96th in the net. They weren't going to make the tournament. Then Michigan beat North Carolina. People were just amazed. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It's North Carolina. You just waxed. Well, that was the worst team of Roy Williams' career, North Carolina or Kansas. Um, They were not going to make the tournament. It wasn't going to happen. So those two wins didn't really hold up. At the time, they looked big. They didn't really hold up very well. The Gonzaga win was big. They mm-hmm. handled Gonzaga in the championship game, and Gonzaga was a team that was going to have a chance to get to a Final Four. So that one meant something. But They just shot the look, lights out, 12 for they 23. Did. And, for and three, that whole the tournament, whole tournament. In that whole tournament, they did. And, and that was the thing. As I was watching this, I just kept coming back to the thought, there is no way that this kind of shooting is sustainable for Michigan. It will not last. And when it comes back down to earth, I suspect they're going to have trouble. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look back at the time, you thought 
you know, there were people trying to make claim that Michigan was the best team in the country and they were ready to put Juwan Howard in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you look back at it in retrospect, what happened is they beat two bad teams. Iowa State and North Carolina were bad teams. And then they had a really good day where they were red hot, as you said, and upset a good team. That's not nothing, but it's not nearly what it looked like in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, and only, only in hindsight can we really judge that fairly. So I, I guess on one level, I don't blame people for getting carried away. On the other hand, this is, you know, a tradition unlike any other, the Michigan fan base overreacting to micro data, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and they just went whole hog and oh thank God we got rid of that beeline guy now we got a real Hall of Famer at the helm and then what happens they come off Maui they visit Louisville on the road they get waxed beat by fifteen so that slowed down that talk for a minute and they only scored forty three <laughs> right and and then they start two and six in the league so they go from we might be the best team in the country to oh my God are we going to even make the tournament. Mm-hmm. And there was there was legitimate reason to be worried because they were two and six. They had kind of a what looked like a daunting slate in the Big Ten ahead of them at that time. And you really had to wonder, how are they going to get to nine or ten wins in the league? Well, they did it. They rallied. They finished, what, eight and four in the league on the back half. And as we said, very, very solid metric performances. Um Decently balanced team, 20th on offense, 28th in defense. On offense, they were really good shooting the two, kind of mediocre from the three. As you said, that red-hot start really was fool's gold for a lot of people. They could not possibly keep shooting it that way, and sure enough, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of the one element of the beeline ball that they kept in place for the most part They did a decent job of valuing the ball, not kicking it around. So that helped them finish a solid spot of 20th on offense. Defense, um, they weren't elite in any area, but they were okay to good pretty much everywhere. So that added up to 28th. That was okay, but I do think that was a step back. Mm -hmm. Because the last couple of years of the beeline era, they were really good defensively. Some of it, I think, was personnel. I think a guy like Simpson and Teske were not nearly as good defensively individually as they had been. They also missed Charles Matthews, who was really good on the wing. But I also think some of it was strategic. I think part of Teske's difficulty is that they had him playing pick-and-roll defense entirely differently. You know, Howard brought kind of the Shaq concept where your big man, instead of looking to hedge aggressively up top, just kind of sloughs off and stays in the lane. And I don't think that agreed with Teske. I don't think he was nearly as engaged. I don't think he was nearly as effective. And so he went backward a step, and I think the team went backward a little bit, but still decent, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what they were. They were, a, they were a decent team. So if I got a pass or failed Juwan Howard, of course I'd pass him. He did the things he would be expected to do, but no more. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, it was okay. Yeah, because it's not like the cupboards were bare here at Michigan. No. I mean. No, they had talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then if we look at um, what they lost, uh, of course, they lose their point guard, Xavier Simpson, um, who really improved his three-point shooting at, at, you know, at, 
after it was all said and done, 52 from the line, 36% uh, percent from three, uh, and 57 from the free throw line. So still str- struggled from the free throw line, but uh, he did lead the league in assists, 7.9 a game. Yeah, but kind of a wild ride. I mean, you pointed out some of the improvement. Three-point shooting for sure. Led the league in assists. Led the team in scoring at 12.9 a game. Yet, as I say, I think anybody who's being honest would tell you he wasn't nearly the defender he had been in the past. He was very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. His turnovers were up over what they had been previously. And then he had that weird Jeff Jackson car crash incident where he was Caught driving the AD's car, and he, when he's questioned, he gave his name as Jeff Jackson. You know, was there anybody in the vehicle with him? Was he driving? There were a lot of, but but to his credit, that happened at right around this point where things seemed to be going off the rails for Michigan, and from that point forward, Michigan was at its best and rallied to the point they would have been a tournament team, and Simpson was a big part of that. Um, you know, I, I'm torn as to what I think about his departure, though, because he was such an outsized presence that and and such a unique player in both good and bad ways that I think the fact that he had to be the face of your team and, and the guy who ran the locker room and led you on the court kind of meant that I'm not convinced that we've 100 percent seen what John or what um, what a Juwan Howard's program actually is going to be, mm-hmm. especially offensively, because I mean you got it's not every year you got a five nine point guard who's one of his primary offensive weapons is a hook shot. I mean, <laughs> you know Simpson was an effective player, but he was also a freak. Yeah, and I mean that both positively and just he was freakish, not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, a point guard that only shoots 57% from the line. You know, I think in some ways it's going to be easier for Michigan to do, to try to do the things that they maybe want to do. Yeah. Um, It frees them up. That said, this guy was an emotional leader. He was a key to their defense. He created for others. He became a decent scorer. I mean, he did a lot of good things too. So he leaves a hole. Michigan has got a problem replacing him. I'm just saying prospectively, even beyond this year, I think they're they're probably going to feel okay that they've moved on. Mm -hmm. It was a lot to go through with Xavier Simpson. Yeah. Uh, And then they also lose Teske, uh, 11.6 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, um, and just shy of two blocks a game. Although kind of a digression for him. Um, a little bit, you know, I don't think it was a disastrous year, but let's put it this way. If Michigan was going to exceed expectations, if they were going to be the team that their fans thought they were in thanks around Thanksgiving and they were going to contend for a big 10 title and all that, John Teske had to be better than he was the year before, maybe by a lot. Mm-hmm. He wasn't it was a little worse. His shooting declined from 52 and 30 as a junior to 48 and 25. So not a massive drop, but a drop, not an improvement, right? Yeah, you. I mean, if they, um, those numbers were the other way, we'd be talking about a guy who's like a second-team possible right. guy. Right, and maybe would have even been good enough to move into that upper echelon of big men that I've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And I don't think he was as good defensively. 
You know, they did, that's the bottom line. They needed him to improve on his junior season. And not only did he not do that, I think he was a little worse. Yeah. Uh, and then David DeJulius, a 6'1 shooting guard, um, but never truly been a point guard uh, so much. But um, he winds up transferring uh, to Cincinnati, coincidentally. But he, seven points a game in 21 minutes for them. It surprised me. You know, because with Simpson leaving, now I don't think that Julius is any kind of point guard, but he would have been in the mix to play more. And he played 21 minutes a game last year as it was. Mm-hmm. So he played a big role. I'm, I'm not sure what the deal was there. Sometimes you just don't, you know, it can just be they don't feel comfortable with the guy. The one thing you can say is, you know, Juwan Howard is not the guy that Julius committed to. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was something there that we don't know about that just didn't didn't sit right with him. I don't know. Uh, but he, as you said, he transferred to Cincinnati. I've never been a big DeJulius fan. I mean, going back to high school, I saw him play a lot in high school and AAU. Uh, his shooting was improved as a sophomore. Given that, he got up to 42% overall, 36 from three, 73 from the line. But he's the definition of a streak shooter. He's the kind of guy that go four for four in a three minute stretch and then oh for seven mm. from there. I mean, that's David DeJulius. And he's not any kind of point guard. I always used to say about him in high school, the way I would describe him is he was a, a guard that played as if he was wearing blinders twenty miles long. He didn't see anything other than what was right in front of him. And I never saw anything from him at Michigan to convince me that that had changed. Mm-hmm. So it, it might not be a huge loss in the greater scheme of things. The one thing I could say is he did show last year he had the ability to put up point production at times. Um, but I think they've got guys that they hope can maybe be more well-rounded players down the line. It's just it gives them one less option, and they do have some holes to fill there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they lose Colin Castleton, uh, who's a seven-foot sophomore who elects to transfer um, to Florida uh, to play for the Gators. 3.1 points a game, 2.4 rebounds. Uh, only eight minutes of, of action for him, though. You know, it, it's funny. The belief was when Howard got hired, this was going to be a boom for Michigan's big man. Because Howard was a big man. He played it at the NBA, in the NBA at that at those positions. Mm-hmm. He understands that position. And it did help a couple of guys. But weirdly, it helped guys you weren't figuring on. It helped Austin Davis and it helped Brandon Johns. The guys that people would have thought would have really benefited, Teske and Castleton, really didn't seem to react well. Castleton was a guy they thought had a real chance out of Florida. It was kind of a beeline special He tended to get these guys who needed a little bit of physical development but were tall and had skills and could develop into the kind of player that he wanted, which was somebody who could defend, who could defensive rebound and be effective in the pick and roll and maybe develop into a perimeter threat. You know, you think about guys like Teske or before him, Moritz Wagner, you know, these these types of guys. Um, Castleton just didn't show enough. And so probably the right move for him going home. He's obviously still a valued player because he ended up at Florida. So he's still at the high major level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cole uh, Bajama, six foot six freshman who uh, just didn't really pick up a whole lot of steam here. He only played in 10 games. Wow. He likes to transfer. 
uh, back to uh, his home state and play for Washington. Right. And, and he was an under the radar guy, another beeline special. He recruited him. Uh, you know, beeline occasionally had this knack for finding guys who at least when he offered them were outside the top 100. That was the case with Bajima. He was six, six, really thin, but reportedly really skilled. And so naturally the M slappies went in the direction of, Oh, it's our next Nick Stauskas. Mm. Well, not every player is going to be Nick Stauskas. He clearly had major strength issues, but the more damning thing is I had heard that the reason he didn't get minutes, despite Michigan needing help on the perimeter in terms of its depth is that he shot terribly in practice hmm. and that's the thing he was supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, obviously Washington took a flyer on him. So there's still a perception that he can be a high major player, but it's not going to be an hmm. Uh So then returning players, they do get uh, Isaiah livers back who um, looked like he was testing the waters um, for a little bit. Um, yep. But he'll be a senior, 6'7", uh, 12.9 points a game, 45 from the floor, 40 from three, and 96 from the line. Yeah, big decision. I mean, an expected one because he wasn't going to be drafted. Um, and, I, and frankly, I don't know that the odds of him being drafted after this year are great because there's uh, he doesn't really project, I don't think, easily at least to a, an NBA position. Mm. But as a college player – He's potentially really good. I mean, he battled injuries for a lot of last season, and yet you look at the numbers, almost 13 points a game, 45, 40, 96 shooting in 21 games played. That highlights what he's always been, and that's a really effective perimeter shooter. He's accurate, and he's got a quick release, and he's 6'8". So he's hard to deny. The problem with Livers is he's never really expanded his offensive game and he hasn't been the kind of rebounder I think he could be. He only averaged four boards. Mm-hmm. And then you look at him physically and athletically, he seems like a guy who should be better than that. Um, he's okay defensively. I don't think of him as a, a major problem, but I don't also don't think of him as a standout. Uh, he's important to this team because of what he can do as a scorer. And he'll either be the number one or the number two guy in that category. I, I don't have much doubt about that as long as he's healthy. So having him around is better than not. But, you know, in some ways, I, I find myself watching him and thinking, boy, there's more to give there mm-hmm. as an overall player. But but still really important for them. They needed him back, and I think he will be good as an offensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Franz Wagner, 6'7 sophomore, um, who averaged 11.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 45 uh, from the uh, floor, 31 and 83 from the line. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, There are a couple of podcasts, uh, Michigan and Indiana based um, that do a top 25 player uh, review heading into every big 10 season in recent years, they've done this and, the consensus between the two of them is they had Franz Wagner as a top five player in the big 10. Um, my jaw, my jaw dropped because you're not going to see him. I don't think at least I haven't seen it on any like first, second or third, all big 10 teams coming into the season. Maybe he snuck into a couple third teams, but I haven't noticed it. Uh, I understand why, 
part of it is there's a bit of a Homer thing there with the Michigan <laughs> uh, guy. Um, but, you know, Wagner, Wagner tracks pretty well with Rocket Watts. Like Rocket, he was hurt early in the year. And I think in retrospect, you can look at it and say it definitely hurt his production, particularly as a shooter. And it took time for him to find himself. But when he did late in the season, he was really good. And so that 31% mark from three, much as Rockets 28 or whatever it was, is deceiving. Mm -hmm. Because when he was right physically, he was much better than that. So I get it. I get that Wagner has some ball skills. They think they can run some offense through him at six, seven. Um, they think he can rebound even better. And he was pretty good last year at 5.6. It's not bad for a small forward, but I need to see just as I would not look rocket Watts at his best is a guy you could see on a first team, all big 10 player, right? At his very best. He yeah. was that good but I haven't seen him do it in a sustained fashion enough to put him there. I would say the same thing with Wagner. I'm not even sure it's clear. He's their best player. Mm -hmm. I think livers is in that discussion. Um, I think he's going to have a good season. I don't know if it's going to be quite what those folks expected or expect, but um, you know, if he's the guy he was in the back stretch of the schedule, he'll be very good. And I think he will be good. I think he'll, he'll see his scoring numbers bump up. I think he'll be a more well-rounded offensive player. He'll be a more consistent perimeter threat. I do, I do think he's suspect as an individual defender. I don't think he's good at proven that he's good there. Um, so that's a problem. Um, but he and Livers are the, are the bell cows for this team. They're the guys that the offense is going to revolve around, and they've got to be good, and I think they will be. Mm. Uh, and then Eli Brooks, six one senior. Um, 10.6 points per game and 30 starts, uh, 41 from the floor, 36 and 73 from the line. Yeah, you know, he's a guy who, whether it was due to the coaching change or just maturation, who knows. But after a bumpy start to his career, his first two years, very inconsistent. Um, he finally found some consistency. He's become a pretty good defender at 6'1". Mm. Uh, so that's a given. As a scorer, you know, 10.6 points, not bad. The The deep shooting number is okay, 36% from three, but he's a streaky guy. He's another one of these guys that can have a big five minutes and then kind of disappear, or a big couple of games, and then he's nothing for the next three. That's the kind of shooter he's been. I don't expect him to be markedly different this year. Um, but he's important for them they might feel like they have to play him at the point. They've got a real issue at the point guard. I have never been convinced that Brooks is really good or at his best at the point. And if they have to play him a lot there, I do wonder what that might do to the things he does well, primarily mm. giving them a shooting and scoring boost from the wing. I just, I, I think he's a suspect at the point. And the more they have to play him at that position, I think the worse it is for Michigan overall. I think ideally they want to play him off the ball. Mm -hmm. uh, so then Brandon Johns, six foot seven junior um, from East Lansing, averaged six points a game, 3.9 rebounds a game, um, 49, 35, and 64. Uh, so a little better than certainly what he did his freshman year. Which was not Absolutely. a whole lot, or his, his I mean, the year I, before. I had heard that he was probably on his way out the door after his freshman season, and in fact, 
Beeline leaving and and Howard taking the job might have been the thing that kept him there. And he really responded. In high school, I thought Brandon John could potentially be an all-conference type player in college. I'm not sure that I believe that anymore, but I also believe, which I wasn't certain of after his freshman season, that he's going to be a very solid rotation guy. He might even start at the five this year because he played some five for them last year and did a decent job. He's a little undersized, but they can probably get away with it because the the thing I would absolutely I'll credit him with it, but I also have to credit Juwan Howard, is the knock on Brandon Johns always, going back to his days at East Lansing, is despite the way he looks, because he's pretty well put together mm-hmm. as a player physically, despite that, he doesn't want to play tough he doesn't he shies away from contact he doesn't want to be a rebounder he doesn't want it badly enough and he did a great job rebounding the 3.9 doesn't look that impressive but it's another number that was kind of deceiving because when he played more minutes played a bigger role he was better than that he actually Mm -hmm. gave him some offensive rebounding which they haven't had it seems like decades um so howard somehow found a way to tap into that and turn Johns into something he hadn't been at any point in his career, which was a guy who could play a little gritty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got skills. You know, the three-point shooting came around. He shot 35%. I believe that's a legitimate number for him based on what I saw from him in high school. I think he can do that. He can repeat that. So I don't know that he's ever going to be a star, but I think he can be a guy who can do some things that help you win, mm-hmm. which is progress. Uh, and then Austin Davis, 6'10", fifth-year senior, um, averaged 4.9 points a game, 2.6 rebounds uh, in 11 minutes per game last year. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, right, the, the highlight guys at the at the big positions who people thought would benefit from Howard didn't for whatever reason, whereas Brandon Johnson, Austin Davis did. Austin Davis went from totally off the radar for almost all of his career Mm-hmm. at Michigan to suddenly he's an effective player. Um, I think with him and there, Michigan has a hole with the five, they've got a, they've got to replace a lot of minutes. They don't have one obvious candidate. I think Johns could play some Davis. Davis is one. And then we'll have a freshman we talk about, but I think with Austin Davis, where I land is he's proven that he can be effective in a role. He's clever as a finisher knows now how to use his body to create a little space and finish. He can rebound in his area. Okay. But he played 11 minutes per game last year. And I think that's about right. I think if you play him more than that, it becomes, um, diminishing results in this sense. The more you play him, I think the easier and more consistently opponents will target him and exploit his lack of ability to move on defense. And that is a big problem. Mm. He can't guard people out on the floor very well. So if you put him in pick and roll for 20 minutes a night, you're asking for a problem. Mm. 10 minutes a night, you can probably hide it. You know, it's such a key with guys who can contribute, but you have to be really careful how much you ask of them. And I, I feel like Austin Davis is that kind of guy. I like him in a limited role, but no more. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then Adrian Nunez, six six junior, um, 
who averaged two points a game, 31 from the floor, 26 from three, and 50 from the line. People thought he was going to leave. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why he didn't. 80% of his shots came from deep, and he shot 26%. That's, that's just not going to get it done. But he elected to return, and you know Michigan could use a shooter, but I just don't think he's given you any reason to think it's him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not <laughs> expecting anything different. All right. Uh, so for newcomers, uh, they get Hunter Dickinson in. Dickinson, 7'1", 260-pound, five-man from Washington, D.C. Um, so this is a huge get for them to replace Teske. Yeah, so. as a piece of the puzzle. I think down the line, absolutely. I, I saw him in AAU. I like him. He's got. He's not quite as big, but he's got that Isaac Haas kind of presence where he just sucks up a lot of space. Uh, but I think he moves a little better than Haas did. So there's real potential there. And he's skilled around the rim, shoot a little bit, probably needs more work there. I think down the line, I expect when he's an upperclassman, Hunter Dickinson's going to be a load. He's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a freshman. And I think both in terms of conditioning, so how long can he go, and what is he on the defensive end, I have more muted expectations for him as a freshman. I think the ideal solution for Michigan is you cobble it together between he and Davis and Johns at the five. And, you know, maybe they all play around, you know, 15 minutes-ish a night. Mm -hmm. And they get it done that way. I don't know right now that I believe that any of the three is a guy you just throw out there for 25 minutes a night and live with it. Mm -hmm. You know, Dickinson, as I say, he's he's got, you know, I would also wonder about fouls because that tends to go with conditioning issues and defensive issues. You know, it's somewhat similar although they're very different players to what MSU has to think about with Maddie Sissoko this year yeah. is great. He's got physical tools. You can't teach, but how ready is he to play a big role, you know, to stay on the floor for big minutes? That's a question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get Zeb Jackson, six, four freshman from Toledo. Um, you know, I don't know about him. When he was younger in high school, he was seen as a big-time guy. Good size at the point. They thought he could develop his point guard skills a little bit. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State both offered him. Michigan won. That was a, that was a recruiting win uh, for Beeline. Um, Michigan State ended up getting Jalen Terry, and then, of course, he decommitted. They ended up with A.J. Hoggard, so musical chairs. But Jackson was a guy that people wanted early on, and then – he kind of seemed to plateau. So last year he made the decision to transfer to transfer to Montverde Academy, which people who follow recruiting probably know is a powerhouse prep school program in Florida. And they had an incredibly deep team with a lot of stars on it. But the fact is Zeb Jackson couldn't crack through. Mm-hmm. He really didn't play much. And that along with the assessments before that, that he kind of seemed to be plateauing would give you cause for concern as to how ready he is to play immediately. As we said, Michigan's got a need at the point. I don't think they want to play Eli there heavy minutes. You know, they'd rather have Brooks off the ball. But I don't think I believe Zeb Jackson is ready for a big role. I just have heard nothing that suggests that. Mm-hmm. Potential for the future, sure. He's got good size, good athleticism, needs to dial in his shot, 
maybe needs to work on point guard instincts and skills, developing those. Um, but as a freshman, I, I just don't expect major minutes. I would, if he got much more than eight or 10, I'd be kind of surprised mm-hmm. from what I've heard. Uh, and then Terrence Williams, six, seven, uh, guy from DC. Um, what do we know about him? I think of the three freshmen, four counting Howard's son, who's kind of a preferred walk-on type. Um, Williams is the one I think is set to play the biggest role early. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really like, and I've talked a lot in these previews about these jack of all trades guys that might not be spectacular athletes. They aren't necessarily dead eye shooters, but they just find a way to contribute in a lot of areas. And that's the sense I get with Williams uh, supposed to have a great motor plays with a lot of energy and toughness, you know, decent size. They think he can have some defensive versatility guard, some different type of players. Um, they think his perimeter game is okay. Good enough to, you know, not be a problem. Um, so they think he can swing between the three and the four. He's not a gifted athlete, but I don't think that's going to hold him back from playing an important role. I, I see him, you know, Michigan's pretty good at the three and the four with, with Wagner and livers as starters. Right. Mm. So they just need a little bit of help in terms of depth and probably not a lot, you know, probably, if you can plug in a guy who can play maybe you know 12 minutes, 15 minutes a night, that's fine. I think Williams is going to be capable of doing that from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so you'd mentioned um, Juwan Howard's son, Jace Howard, um, who winds up initially as a preferred walk-on, but uh, Michigan winds up losing two uh, have, you know, big-time recruits um, to the pros. So he winds up getting uh, – coming in as a freshman on a scholarship six well, seven one, wing one to the pros they lost isaiah todd to the g league yeah, joshua g league. christopher they thought they were going to get and they lost him to arizona state which was That's just a right. great yeah. great night to watch that decision come down if you're a michigan state fan <laughs> just watch and todd's decommitment you know to go to the g league happened like a day or two later it was just a fantastic couple of days in april for michigan state fans to watch that <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Jace Howard, look, this isn't a gift. This isn't nepotism. He would have been a D1 player, albeit at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's also not a guy you expect to step in right away either and play major minutes. Um, not a great athlete, but they think he can shoot, and they think that he can be a guy who helps at some point. And I think that's fair. You know, Michigan State's made a lot of hay out of guys with his kind of profile who are good enough to play D one at a smaller level. They take him on as a, as a preferred walk on and you see what happens. So I'm not about to bag on it and he's got good size, you know, at like six, six. So, um, this could be one for the future. I don't think it's going to be one for this year. Uh, and then they get uh, Mike Smith, a five eleven grad transfer from Columbia. Yeah. Um, point guard candidate big numbers at columbia but before you get too excited you got to drill down first of all my transfer up caution and michigan's been down this road before in recent years too um 22.8 points 4.1 boards 4.8 assists that sounds great right but i caution one he did it in the ivy league two he did it for a terrible team in the ivy league how good is he going to be? How much is that going to translate? 
he shot 43, 34, 81. That 34% from three would give me caution again because we know three-point shooting tends to decline for these guys mm-hmm. when they transfer up. If he's 34% for Michigan, that's okay. If he's 28%, that's probably not okay. Um, he's not a super athlete, and he's 5'11". So I understand why they added him. They needed to add somebody at the position. It was worth adding him. I'm not bagging him for taking him. He seemed to be the best of the set of options they had available to them. They were realistic. I'm just saying, if he's your best option, you might have a problem. Mm. Um, you know, as I said, they got to find a point guard solution between Brooks and Jackson and Smith. And I don't know that I love any of those options. I think he's going to play minutes. He might even start. In fact, I'm going to guess he will start early on because I think they're going to want to try to keep Brooks off the ball, mm-hmm. which would mean somebody else has got to play. And I don't think it's going to be Jackson, but I just don't know how good he's going to be. Uh, and then they bring in Sean D. Brown, a 6'5", 215-pound uh, transfer from Wake Forest. Um, 12.1 points his, a game last year in the yeah, ACC. Yeah, and just got his waiver approved last week. So that's important. As you say, 12.1 points in the ACC. That translates, you know. 6'5", 215, he's physically put together. Um, 46, 32, 81 shooter, not great from three, but the good news is only one third of his shots came from out there. So he seems to understand what his strengths are and to them. Mm. I I don't think he's going to be a starter. the way he, the path he's got to a starting spot is if Brooks is the point guard, because then he could start. And I think would start opposite Bogner. Um, but I don't think that's how it's going to go at first. I think he's probably going to be coming off the bench. And in that role, he's a pretty good option. I don't think Brown is a likely star, but I do think he can be a pretty solid player because he's already done it at the major college level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not a perfect guy. Again, not a guy likely to help him as a shooter much, but he can defend. He can do some things inside the arc. He's proven that he has a knack for scoring some. So I think as a multifaceted contributor, he's a good addition. Um, I feel he's the guy among all their newcomers. I'd be surprised if he's the guy who doesn't play the most minutes and rack up the most in terms of contributions. Mm. You know, that seems pretty obvious to me. Okay. Um, So, you know, Michigan finishes ninth in the conference last year. And, um, it, it being Howard's um, second year, um, you expect them to finish a little bit higher, but it sounds like not a whole lot better. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a year where you look at Michigan and think they get into title contention. They could finish higher than I've got them. You know, I would say, I would say anywhere up to fifth wouldn't totally shock me, but I've got them where I have them in eighth for a reason. Um, and, and they've got big questions, you know, uh, you like that they have livers and Bogner as two guys to, to use as the centerpieces of the offense. Right. But with livers, you gotta hope that he stays healthy again. And he hasn't been a guy who's been chronically hurt in his career, 
but he had real problems last year. So you're always a little cautious on that front. I'm going to assume he's healthy and having those two guys around and Wagner too had some health issues last year, having them healthy and in the lineup consistently is a good place to start from. I am troubled by the one on the five more so by the one, uh, you know, Eli Brooks, to me, you're not getting the best out of him if you've got to play him there, and I don't think he's a natural for the position. I've heard Michigan people talk about trying to play through Wagner some, but I have not seen from Wagner the kind of things that, let's say, when Michigan State talks about playing through guys like Henry Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Hauser, that seems a little more reliable to me Mm -hmm. than the idea of playing through Wagner. Maybe he'll surprise me, but I just didn't see it last year with him as a guy who's a true point forward and, you know, that kind of guy. So if he's not, then somebody's got to step up. I talked about the limitations with Mike Smith. We talked about Zeb Jackson reasons to be skeptical that he'll make a big impact as a freshman. So it's kind of tough there. At the five, I feel a little better, but there's still issues. You know, Brandon Johns and Austin Davis were effective in certain roles last year. Those roles may have to expand, and that's where you have the question marks. And then Dickinson, great potential. I don't doubt that. What I do wonder about is how ready is he to play major minutes this year? Mm. You know, so those are the things that kind of hold me back and temper my optimism. Um, you know, but is there the potential for them to be better than I've got them? Yes, I'll, I'll admit that. I just, I think they're probably a lot like they were last year. You know, seventh, eighth, ninth in the league, probably a tournament team, but that's probably about where it begins and ends. Okay. Well, that'll do it for Michigan. Um, until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.